There are many people who would love to give you advice. They want you to pay for that advice. They want you to come to them for advice. There, there are people all over who want to give you advice, but uh, there are few that you would seek out to get advice from them. Those few that you know them and you know the wisdom that they have, and so you want to spend time with them. And I can remember there have been a couple of different episodes in my life where there's been somebody like that. One of those, uh, some of you know, I went to school in eastern Washington, and about an hour away, my grandparents lived. And so very often on weekends, I'd get in my car, and I would drive up there. And uh, the wonderful thing about my grandparents' house is it was always coffee time. It didn't matter what time you got there. If you got there before breakfast, it was coffee time before breakfast. And then after breakfast, there was coffee time before lunch. So there, it went coffee time, and then uh, breakfast, and then coffee time, and then lunch, and then coffee time, and then dinner, and then there was coffee time again. That's just how it worked. And, and coffee time worked like this. My, my grandmother always had something out, some little uh, butter cookies or crackers or something, and you had coffee, and you would sit and talk. And I loved to go up to my grandparents' place and sit and talk. Because my, my grandparents had such wisdom that I loved to just sit and ask them questions. Well, what does this look like? What, is that lo what did this look like for you when you were growing up? What did this look like for you when you were in ministry? What did this look like for you? And to talk with them and to, to uh, hear that wisdom. And I can remember then uh, getting a little bit older and graduating from college and going to, to seminary and sitting in a, a, a seminary class and hearing one of the professors teach. And uh, there was a Another pastor, uh, who an older guy, had transitioned into the pastorship later in, in life, and he was sitting next to me, he was, was my fellow student, and he said, I just love sitting in this class. He said, I just love hearing the wisdom of 30 years of teaching the Bible pour forth from his mouth. I love to come and just sit and soak in this class. Because when you're around people who have wisdom, you just want to follow them. You want to follow their lead. You want to uh, hear from them and say, yes, that, that isn't just you're smart. This is you know how to live well, and I want to live well like you live well. Well, Jesus had that. Jesus had that character about him that he would talk and people would go, I just have to hear what this man says. I just have to hear what this man says. And if you've been with us the last several weeks, we've been working through the uh, book of Matthew and particularly uh, chapter 13 where Jesus is telling parables of the kingdom. And he's telling people what he's been telling them ever since he came on the scene, which is uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is coming. This kingdom of God is here and this is what that means. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what you should expect. And when he finished these parables, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? 
where did this, where did he get this from? I mean, when Jesus was out and he was teaching in other places and he was telling these parables and things, people were flocking to him. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? I've never heard teaching like this before. He knows what he's talking about. He doesn't just like quote other people and say, well, you know, it might be like this. He speaks like one who has authority. He talks like he really knows this stuff. Where does this guy, this is amazing. And they just come and they sit at his feet and they just listen to the wisdom pour forth from his mouth. And then he goes back to his hometown and he gets up in the, on the uh, Saturday morning on the Sabbath day to, to do the teaching and he teaches the people and they just, wow, wow. How does he know this stuff? Isn't this the carpenter's son? We know his dad didn't teach him this. We know his dad didn't teach him this. Where did he learn this stuff from? We know this guy. How come he has all this wisdom? Where did it come from? Isn't it remarkable that they don't question whether or not it's wisdom? They recognize the wisdom. That's not their issue. Their issue is, where did it come from? Where did it come from? How come this guy has this kind of wisdom? Is not this the carpenter's son? I love that. Hold up now. We know you. This is little Jesus. We know this guy. We know this guy. We know his dad. We know his mom. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. And let me tell you, the brothers and the sisters, they didn't turn out like Jesus. They're not saying this stuff. Where did, this, where did he get this from? Where did he get it from? In the context here, one of the interesting things to me is that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, this is right at, toward the end of chapter 12, and just before Jesus starts teaching the parables. While he was still speaking to the people, this is Matthew 12, 46, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my brother? Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And then he began to go into the parables and explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. And now he's in his hometown and the people are going, Hold up. We know his mother. His mother's name is Mary. We know his brothers. What are their names? <laughs> James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. We know them. We know them. In fact, we know that his father is a carpenter too, and we know his sisters also. 
In, in that context, he had, they had just established who his family was and that they were there. And then Jesus was going, okay, but let me tell you. Let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like. And now he goes back home and they're like, hold up, no, forget the kingdom of heaven a second. Where's this wisdom coming from? We know your family. Where's this wisdom coming from? And I think that they're missing something important, which is, who cares? If this wisdom is coming, don't you want to listen? Don't you want to follow that kind of wisdom? Listen, here's what happened in, in 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, uh, the kingdom has, has been handed over from David to Solomon. Right? David, the great king David, his reign is over and now Solomon is taking over and God appears to Solomon in the night. And in verse 7 it says, And in the night God appeared to Solomon and said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David my father now be fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? And God answered Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions or wealth or honor or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches and possessions and honor such as none of the kings had who were before you and none after you shall ever have the like. So Solomon came to the high place at Gibeon from before the tent of meeting to Jerusalem and he reigned over Israel. What an incredible blessing. What an incredible blessing to be in a nation like that with a king who says, what I want is wisdom to lead your people well, God. If I could have anything in the whole world, what I would want is to be a good king by having the wisdom that comes from you. That's what I want. And do you know that the people recognized what a significant blessing it was to have a king that is wise? If you've ever followed somebody, been in some kind of an organization where there was a leader who was not the sharpest tool in the drawer, you probably didn't like being in that organization. When you have to follow somebody and you're like, oh, they do not make good decisions, then it doesn't, you don't want to follow them anymore. But when they are wise, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever you say, that's what we're going to do. I have full confidence in your wisdom. I have full confidence in your discernment. I have full confidence in following you because I know that you are wise. And this is what Solomon had asked for. This is what Solomon had asked for. He said, look, God, I am the king of a huge number of people and I am responsible for them and it is way beyond my capacity. And so what I need from you, Lord, is I need wisdom. I need wisdom. And the people of Israel were blessed to have that kind of a king. 
So blessed that word went out from, from Jerusalem and from Israel around the world and the reputation of Solomon and his wisdom in his leadership of his people was renowned around the world. So that in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, it says, Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions, having a very great retinue and camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from Solomon that he could not explain to her. And, then, and when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, and their clothing, his cupbearers and their clothing, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. It took her breath away to see the splendor of the kingdom of Solomon and to stand in his presence and go, okay, but what about this? But what about this? But what, about, but what should I do about this? Because I'm the ruler of a country too. How would you handle this? And as she just hears the wisdom of Solomon pour out, she goes, this is amazing. And she said to the king, verse 5, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I didn't believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, half the greatness of your wisdom was not told to me. You surpass, you surpass the report that I heard. Happy are your wives, happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on his throne as king for the Lord your God because your God loved Israel and would establish them forever. He has made you king over them that you may execute justice and righteousness. What an incredible testimony! What an incredible testimony that the, the wisdom of Solomon and the way that he ruled his people was renowned throughout the world so that everyone would come and go, this is incredible. How blessed is your nation? How blessed are God's people to have you ruling here? How blessed they are. And we recognize that the promises to David were that his offspring would be blessed, right? And that he would have a king who would reign forever. And then we see, you know, the height of, of Israel is in David and his conquering, and, and then there is peace in the land, and we see peace and prosperity under the wise rule of Solomon. And almost immediately after that, there is division in the kingdom, and the whole thing begins to crumble. And you go, oh, that was so close. It was really good for like one generation, maybe a generation and a half. And then you watch it crumble as kings are not doing what is wise anymore. And you get this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth 
from a shoot. There, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And what we recognize is that what, what Isaiah the prophet is saying is we, we know that there had been peace and prosperity under uh, the son of Jesse, that is David. We know that there had been peace and prosperity under Solomon, David's son. But here is what the Lord promises, that there will be another offspring of David, another shoot from the stump of Jesse that will come and will... Uh, will reign for his people and will be full of the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And with how great Solomon was to have this kind of a prophecy about somebody that would come later, we say, wow, what should we expect to see when it comes? And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, Jesus says this, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. You see, as Jesus has been proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of heaven is now here, he is proclaiming that there is a brand new kingdom coming. There is a new king that is coming into his kingdom to reign and to rule. And he says, now what you don't understand is that something greater than Solomon is here. The queen of Sheba came from the ends of the earth to come and see and hear the wisdom of Solomon. And he says, and someone greater than that is here. Somebody greater than that is here. And then he begins to speak in parables and to explain the kingdom of heaven to the people so that they might understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. And when he finishes, they marvel and say, where does this come from? Well, if we know Isaiah 11, we know where, the, where it comes from. We know where this wisdom is coming from. It doesn't come from his dad. It doesn't come from his mom. It doesn't come from his brothers or sisters. It doesn't come from where he came from. It comes from the Spirit of God being on him. That's what it, where it comes from. But they were astonished. Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? I was talking with one of my children just before I was getting up here. And that, what, what's the sermon about this morning? It's about the wisdom of Jesus. Oh, like, what about it? Where does it come from? Oh, it comes from God. Yeah, I, that's what I'm going to say too. But it's going to take me a lot longer. 
Yeah, that's what, that's what it is. I mean, it, it, to us, it is so obvious. It is to, to us so obvious that that kind of wisdom must come from God. It must come from God. And it is a fulfillment of the prophecy and what Jesus is proclaiming is not only is the new kingdom here, but the new king has come and he is greater than Solomon. The wisdom that he is pouring forth from his mouth is greater than Solomon. And so you would expect what? That the people would go, bring it. As the older pastor that would sit next to me in class would say, he'd say, feed me. Feed me. I just want to sit here and listen. Feed me. And that's what you would expect, right? That the crowds would just come around Jesus, that they would sit at his feet and they would just go, yep, I could listen to this man all day. Listen to his wisdom. Just, just feed me. Just bring it on. Tell me everything you want to tell me. Everything I should know. Answer all my questions. And so their response, verse 57, and they took offense at him. They were indignant. What? Where does this guy get off? How come he's got all this wisdom? We know his family. They're not so hot. We know Jesus. He's not the big deal. Where do you get off with all this wisdom? Who do you think you are? But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. Jesus is identifying himself as a prophet. He is saying, look, you hear the wisdom of my mouth, right? You hear the words that are coming out of me. That is because the Spirit of God is on me and I am proclaiming the very words of God. I am functioning here as a prophet. Now, in the Old Testament, you had a prophet, a priest, and a king, right? Those were the, the offices that would be anointed. You'd be anointed for those offices of prophet, of priest, and of king. And here we see Jesus, the king of a new kingdom, is anointed for that ministry by the Holy Spirit, also functioning as a prophet and a wise sage of the type of Solomon, right? The, this, the wise sage king. The kind of king that everybody wants to have. The kind of king that everyone wants to follow. That everyone says, this is the kind of person that I want to rule over us. And Jesus is saying, that is who I am. That is who I am. He's identifying himself as king and prophet. But they rejected him. They rejected him and they said, no. Nope. We don't want to hear it. They had already pre-decided who Jesus was. 
So Jesus was speaking the words of the kingdom of heaven to them. And like the parable of the sower who went out and sowed the seed and he scattered the seed and the seed fell on various types of soil as he proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God and its coming, so Jesus is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and scattering that, soil, that, that, that seed on various types of soil and it has fallen here in his hometown on hard soil. They would not receive it. Not that they didn't recognize it. They did. This is the tragic thing to me. They recognized the wisdom of it, but they had already decided, nope, Jesus cannot be the one. Jesus cannot be the one. And as I talk with people who interact with the Bible story, and the good news about who Jesus is, sometimes you will talk with people and you will begin to explain who Jesus is and they'll go, nope, you can just stop talking right now. Because they have already decided Jesus is not for me. Not my king. Not my savior. I don't need him. I don't want him. He's not for me. Like the seed that falls on hard, rocky ground and doesn't take. That's where they're at. Which is so tragic. Because to receive him is to be fed with that kind of wisdom. He is not a hard king. He is not a difficult master. He is loving and compassionate. And he pours forth wisdom. Not just smart not just knows a lot about God, can explain a lot of things to you that you didn't understand, but knows how to live life really well. And for those of us who feel like we might be lacking in the wisdom department, we can come to him and say, Lord, feed me. Lord, fill me. Fill me with your wisdom. Fill me with your knowledge. We do not have to be like these who have pre-decided to reject him. But we can listen to his words and recognize them for the wisdom that they are and say, I want to receive that. I believe, Lord. I believe that something greater than Solomon has come. I believe that. I believe that a kingdom greater than Solomon's has come. And so I want to follow you. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They recognized the miraculous works, the mighty acts of God that came through the power of the Holy Spirit within him. 
They heard the wisdom that was being poured forth and the truth that came about the kingdom of heaven. They heard those things, but they rejected it. And he did not do many things there because of their lack of faith. And when I see that and read that, it is tempting to me to go, ah, that's how it works. That's how it works. The way that it works is, if I have enough faith, then God can do stuff. And if I don't have enough faith, God can't do stuff. I have to have enough faith, and then God can act. And I want to tell you that that's not how it works. God is not limited by your faith, nor is he required to act because of your faith. Right? Your lack of faith does not inhibit God. Your abundance of faith does not compel God. And yet somehow, God being able to do all that he wants to do at all times, in all places, in every way, decides that how he will act in the world is in partnership with our faith. So we do not limit his ability to do things based on our lack of faith, but yet he decides to do things in partnership with our faith. And so you see, it doesn't take a lot. There were miraculous things done in the time of Elijah, and there was one man with some faith, at some times doubting, and yet God would do powerful acts and works through him. You would see times when Moses, things would happen through Moses, and you would look at Moses and go, goodness, what is going on with you? His lack of faith at times, or Gideon, or pick a person. You can pick any example that you want and go, wow, it was not because of their great faith that God did these acts. And yet, God does these acts in partnership with their faith in a way that builds their faith, and also acts in the world. It is a remarkable thing to me. It is a remarkable thing to me that God wants to act in partnership with our faith. And so I say, okay, God, I have a little bit. Feed me. Grow my faith. Build my faith. Increase my wisdom. Act in powerful ways. And when we do, we are like those who were the subjects of Solomon that even the Queen of Sheba recognized are so blessed because they have a great king who is just and wise in his leadership of them. And you and I have a great king in Jesus. We don't need to resist him. We don't need to fight him. We don't need to reject him. We just need to say, I trust you, and I'm willing to follow you. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, 
to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Where does he get these things from? It is from the presence of the Holy Spirit in him. And what does it mean for us? That we can trust him and we can follow his leadership. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would embolden us to follow you. when there are times that we might question what you might be doing in the world or in our lives, we pray that we might trust you, that we might believe that you are wise and that you are good, that you are just and that you are righteous. And Lord, we recognize that from our fleshly perspective, from our worldly perspective, these things do not seem wise or great or strong. But when we understand them in light of you, we recognize how magnificent you are. That you have chosen to bring your kingdom into this world through the coming of Jesus, our King. Not to reign in a physical way, but to reign uh, in a spiritual way that those who would believe and trust him might follow him and be brought under his leadership into his kingdom. And so, Father, we marvel at that wisdom of yours and we praise you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.